So it's a useful practice on a retreat like this to, um, so when, when we sit down on our cushion, because we keep coming back to it again and again, to just check in, what is the mood of the mind right now? What is the mind state? And just to recognize it. We can just be for a moment. We notice, oh yeah, okay, mind is um, a little bit dull. Okay, so then we know that and then our practice continues within the, the context of knowing that the mind is a little dull right now. And then uh, we can also check in at the end and just see what is the mood or state of the mind right now. And maybe it's still dull or maybe it's peaceful or maybe it's excited. So... Uh, it's very helpful to have, to just kind of check in from time to time. What is the mood of the mind? Because if we don't do that, we tend to just become, we think that we are the mood of the mind. So that we're feeling vulnerable and a little bit sad. And then that becomes our total experience if we don't have that reflection of like, okay, so what is, what is the state or mood of the mind? So when we check in in that way, we're not, uh, we're not trying to get a particular kind of mind state, not in this practice of the Satipatthana, but we're wanting to know what state is present now. And with that knowing, we know that it changes, that it's not who and what I am, and it changes. And uh, there's, there's the knowing, and then there's also the, there are also the practices that, that can transform the moods of the mind. And there's also recognizing how conditions change the mood of the mind. So it might be, that, you know, for some people to meditate early in the morning is very, very peaceful and still and brings a great sense of openness and contentment. And for others it might be like, you know, why do I have to get up this early? It's just unreasonable. So we get to know, you know, what, what does our mind do with conditions? And then going down to breakfast, you know, it might be like, oh great, breakfast. Or it might be like, you know, I just, it's having such a subtle experience, I don't want to have to deal with oatmeal right now, you know. So we get to know how conditions affect the moods of our mind. And then after breakfast, how's that? Satisfied, feeling a little, or feeling a little bad that we ate too much, or wishing that we'd taken something else. So just recognizing that's you know what's 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 the mind, what is the field within which we're experiencing, and uh, so that's so it's really important just to kind of notice, and, and we can do that in a retreat, and we can also do it in our daily life, particularly with um, things that we do routinely, like getting up in the morning, and um, you know bathing, whatever we're doing, um, 
the contact, the first contact we have with others, you know, how we meet that. And the, you know, moving out of our, if we do, moving out of our house into the world. You know, with what mind states, with what, what attitude of mind do we do all of this? Because uh, if we're not very conscious, then we'll just keep on repeating the same old patterns again and again and we'll keep meeting similar experiences again and again. But if we pay attention and take an interest, then we can recognize the places where we're you know, excited and looking forward to something, or where we're resistant. And it can be like really habitual, daily, the same old thing again and again. So if we recognize that, so for example, if we recognize that we're resistant, then we can be a little bit more careful around that. And maybe find ways of, of transforming that. So uh, the, the four Brahma Viharas, or the four divine abidings that we chanted last night after the sealed bag of skin chant, <laughs> they are really helpful in transforming our experience. So they, they transform our inner experience. And they also, because we, we are transformed, our minds are transformed through that practice, it also transforms those around us. So if we're, you know, if we're at meeting, say, our colleagues at work with a, with a sense of, oh no, not this again, not them again, not that project again, then that will affect the reality. We're, we're putting that into the space. <coughs> and if we meet those same people with with kindness or with compassion or with uh, mudita with like well I'm really glad they're doing so great even if I'm not at the moment you know that if we can meet um, the people in our lives with through those four qualities of Brahma Viharas then we start to transform things we trans start to transform our inner world and and the world around us and it's not always so easy, you know, you can't just sort of feel really annoyed with somebody and then say, okay, I'll practice loving kindness. Yeah, it doesn't work like that. Sometimes we've got to go deep down and see, well, why, why is there so much resentment or aversion or fear? And what's, what's there? Where, where's that coming from? And then if we can find that, sometimes we just need to be, you know, bring kindness to that deeper root of the problem within ourselves. And it's easy to point the finger and say, well, it's because, you know, all of these things are wrong and it shouldn't be like that. It's very easy to do that. But there is this, this lovely expression that I learned in America of instead of looking at the finger that's pointing to the other one, look at the three fingers that are pointing back to yourself. I think that's really clever. Because <laughs> that's where you'll find some transformation. We can't change others necessarily, but we can change the way we meet our experience. So mindfulness of mind is, uh, is knowing what is present. And there was a, a question, I think yesterday, about judgment and uh, how to deal with judgment. And one of the practices with mindfulness of mind I, I find very compassionate 
because uh, what we tend to do is, you know, if there's ill will in the mind, and then we notice that there's ill will, then we judge. You know, it shouldn't be like that. I shouldn't be. I should be better by now. You know, I've been practicing all these years. And, um, so one thing, the first thing to notice is ill will is conditioned. It's impermanent. It's not self. It can be. It can be transformed. It has a cause, and it ha- and there is a an ending to it. And then, um, in the way the Buddha lays down the, the, f- the third foundation of mindfulness, mindfulness of mind, he points out to know the mind filled with lust as a mind filled with lust, and to know the mind without lust as without lust. So it's not just knowing the mind with lust and then trying to work with it, it's also knowing the mind without lust. So right now, you can just check in, okay, is the mind filled with lust or is it without lust? And it's just knowing. And is the mind filled with <coughs> anger? So to know the mind, the angry mind as angry, to know the mind without anger as without anger. So just checking in right now. Is there anger present in the mind? If there is, know it. Know what it feels like. If there isn't, know there is absence of anger right now. Already there's a space. And then knowing the deluded mind, a little bit more tricky. Knowing the deluded mind is deluded and the non-deluded mind or undeluded mind as undeluded. That's a little bit more tricky because sometimes we think we're not deluded when we are. But uh, there are certain sort of signs of delusion that, that we can catch, like f- uh, fog, uh, brain fog, confusion, uh, doubt, being, being caught in a doubt. Those are, those are kind of aspects of delusion that, that catch the mind's energy and keep, keep it um, caught up in itself. And uh, without that, as long as it's it's stuck in that state, it's it's uh, it's difficult to see clearly. But as I've mentioned many times in the past, one can also, even with a very confused mind, one can be clear and aware of confusion. And as we bring clarity and awareness to confused mind, then it transforms the confusion gradually. So we're never, we're never um, victims, really. As we're only a victim if we're not mindful. As soon as mindfulness comes in, we're in the power seat, we're in the driving seat. We have some um, ability to steer things. And then we know the, the contracted mind is contracted. Sometimes it does that, sometimes the mind does that. So we don't have to become a contracted person, but we know, oh, our mind's contracted right now. And we know, and then sometimes the mind is expensive. It's like knowing the expensive mind is expensive. Not like, oh, I must be enlightened, you know, I've got it, it's wonderful. It's like, no, the mind is expensive right now. And that too will change, like everything. So it's simply knowing the state of mind. So it's like turning our attention back to the, the quality through which we're, I- we're 
experiencing life in any given moment. And it changes. And then there's the the kind of I think I mentioned about rivers. There's like a, there's like the river of of a particular tendency. So if our mind is in the habit of going into criticism and ill will, and we don't pay careful attention to that, then it will just keep getting more and more strong. It'll it's like it's like water running down, um, running through a, a valley. It'll get it'll cut deeper and deeper into that that same direction. And likewise with lust, and likewise with delusion, if, if we if we just let them run their course without being aware of of the quality, or and also without um, putting some limits on them. So the five precepts are a really good limit. They're a basic limit, which you'll take tomorrow before you go. So they're a basic limit that stops us doing too much harm through those forces but we can also do more than that we can we can uh, first of all hold them in a greater awareness of uh, which which includes um, the experience of awareness itself so then the knowing the knowing you could say and also knowing that the impermanence and the and because of the because of those states being impermanent, they cannot really be who and what I am. So we can bring those reflections to mind, and they support the the transformation, the holding back, and the transformation of those states which pull us in the wrong directions and keep us caught. And we all have them. You know, if if you experience those those qualities, it's not because you're a bad person. It's because you're a human being who isn't yet enlightened, it's just that. But it's uh, about knowing them and then recognizing what's the strong, you know, what's the strongest tendency? And where does it take me? And do I want to keep following that? And if not, bringing in skillful means. So if there's a lot of ill will, really consciously cultivating qualities like gratitude, generosity, and kindness, metta. And that starts to transform the, the, that kind of force of, of ill will. And ill will is like a broad term for many, uh, you know, resentment, hatred, fear. It covers many, many qualities. Resistance. Um, and if her mind is, is very greedy, lustful and excited by the sense world, then uh, we can contemplate, well, the, the Asuba practice we mentioned, I mentioned yesterday, you know, with, if there's a lot of lust, f- sexual lust, then Asuba is a really great help in just seeing all the, the, the kind of meat and bones of it all just the, the ordinariness of it all, of this body and other bodies. And also contemplating death is very helpful. It's like everything dies. The thing that we're wanting, even if it's just like really strong desire to, to pick a flower that's blossoming in the garden here. I really want to have that on my little altar in my room. No, it's, it's just let it be here blossoming for everybody. 
So we feel the desire and then, and then we reflect that the flower is, is changing, it's impermanent, it's not going to last long. Let it just stay with its stem. So just um, reflecting on the, the, the quality of impermanence, which, which all of this whole universe is, is part of, is fluxing in. And uh, if there's a lot of delusion or confusion or doubt, then it's very helpful. If, if the mind is just foggy and confused, then it's helpful just to bring awareness to that, know how it is. Remember the times when it wasn't like that. How long ago was it not like that? Notice when it changes. And uh, if there's a lot of doubt, then make a... Um, just decide on something. Try something, you know. It doesn't have to be right. We don't know what's right until we do it often. So if there's a lot of doubt, then just like, I don't know, should I do this or that? Mm. Just do what feels most, most, um, just let, the, let your wisdom decide, let the, let the intuition and wisdom decide, okay, I don't know if it's right or not, but I'm going to try this. And then it's like a, a wise, Assessment, so it's not going to harm anyone. You know, it's it's uh, it's it could work. You know, <laughs> it might be the right thing. So I'm just going to try that, and then try it and see what happens. And if it's not the right thing, then try something else. And l that's just life, isn't it? We we don't we we think we're supposed to know ahead of time where it's going, but we don't know because what we do now determines what where how things open up in the future. And then there's the, there are the qualities of mind we can develop in, in meditation through quietening and stilling, through settling, allowing the mind to open. And there's the beauty of a meditation retreat, particularly a longer one, this is quite a short one, but uh, is that we don't have to be anybody. We don't have to sort of show up any, as anybody, just we just have to arrive, sit on the cushion, do the practice, walk, receive our meal. We don't have to create a persona for anybody. And so, you know, not having to show up as somebody or other, you know, it gives a chance for that to settle. And it allows us to see the greater space within which the little me story is happening. And the more we can um, abide in that space or even know that it's there as a choice, then the, the greater freedom we have. And of course, you know, when we go back home and we do our things, we have to show up as somebody. We have to, you know, there's, there's a, in America there's a, there's a whole thing with bios and photographs and all of that. <laughs> You've got to be somebody. <laughs> so, you know, that's part of the deal. But you know that you're not, that's not really who and what you are. That's not, that's just the bit you put out there because they, people need to have something. So you say, okay, what, and I'm this, you know, I did that, and I look like this, and, you know, and that's got a relative truth to it. 
and it's, but it's not really who and what we are. We're much more than that. We're much greater than that. So in the meditation we can touch into the greatness of mind, the expansiveness of our consciousness from time to time. And when we touch into that, it puts a whole different perspective on the, the me and mine story, on the person that we once thought we were. And so there's a, there's a chance to start to transform things when we're not stuck in that person that our parents think we are or that our colleagues think we are or that our children think we are or that the society thinks we are. We're not stuck in that. So we can allow the, the uh, what I like to think of the unravelling of self. So it's unravelling in a careful way, not in a crazy way, not in a way that ends us up in hospital. <laughs> that doesn't help. But in a, in a kind of, it's like a, it is a bit like a controlled breakdown in some ways, you know, it's like things start to unravel. Who we are isn't who we thought we were. We discover new strengths and qualities we didn't know we had. And we can allow that process to happen because we're not keeping the small story of self. So when we pay attention, mindfulness to mind, we see all of those different moods of the mind that arise and change and affect our daily experience, our momentary experience. And the more conscious we are, then the more clarity there is. And the more clarity there is, the more freedom. So it really is just about turning our attention back and being interested, taking a look. And uh, you know, if, we, if we're strongly identified, it's, it's frightening to look. We only want to see certain things. But if we know that this is a process, it's not really who and what I am, it's changing, it's conditioned, it's, it's, and we don't know where it's, you know, there's, there's potential, who knows where it's going to go. Then, then there's more a sense of like curiosity, wonder, interest. And then that curiosity opens doors. So I'd like to uh, encourage you to practice in that way, this day and each day. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.